Welcome to Deep Dive from the Japan Times. I'm Sean McKenna, and Happy New Year to all our listeners.、Uh, this is our first episode back from after the break.、Uh, the reason that I might sound out of breath is because I'm currently walking very quickly through the back streets of Tokyo to meet up with our writer, Alex KT Martin, before we head to the studio. Oh, there's Alex right there. Hey. Hey, Sean. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Okay, Alex, where are we just now? Right, so right now we're in Taito Ward,、uh, somewhat north of central Tokyo.、Uh, this is near my neighborhood. Okay, and why are we here? Yes, so、uh, I've been working on a story about、uh, hoarding and hoarding behavior. And、uh, what we just、uh, walked past is a hoarder house. Right, gotcha. Okay, we're going to keep walking.、Uh, we don't want to stare at the house.、Mm-hmm. But it was a two story cement building painted bright yellow. And there's blue netting on the outside trying to contain various piles of, looks like a, appliances? Yes,、um, electrical appliances that's likely no longer being used.、Uh, some bicycles, old bicycles, and a lot of、uh, paper and paper bags and、uh, plastic bags, I see. Right, there's a sign there. What does the sign say? It says、uh, this place isn't a、uh, trash disposal site. Right, okay. I guess、mm. they don't want people adding to the pile. For sure, for sure. The neighbors can't be too happy about this. This is a really thin street. Of course, yes.、Um, actually,、uh, a couple of years ago, it was much worse. There was much more stuff sort of、uh, pouring out of the,、uh, the property.、Um, and then I think the officials came in at some point and、uh, put them all、uh, within the property. So it's actually much better now. But、uh, as you can see, it's still、uh, quite a scene. Right, right. Okay, let's get back to the studio and we'll continue our conversation. Great, thank you. Okay, we're back in the studio. Alex, one of the big side stories of the World Cup was of these Japanese soccer fans who would clean up the stadium after the matches. And a lot of reporting would talk about how clean Japan is. The Japanese national team made headlines around the world this week after their sensational 2 1 victory against Germany. But their supporters got almost as much attention for their behavior in the stadium when they stayed behind to diligently clean up their litter and ensure that they left the place pretty much exactly as they found it. So I was pretty intrigued when I heard you were doing a story on hoarding. Thanks, John. Yeah. Well, as you know, Tokyo is quite a clean city. Um, even compared to other major cities. However, that doesn't mean that、uh, hoarding doesn't exist here. What is the word for hoarder in Japanese? There's no word for hoarder, but、uh, there are words for、uh, hoarder houses called gomi yashiki. Gomi is trash, yashiki is house. Okay. Or obeya. The kanji for o is kitanai, which is、uh, not clean. Hea is room. I think this word came because a lot of people live in apartments. They don't actually live in homes or houses. So you either call them people living in gomiyashiki or in an obea. Overseas, hoarding is recognized as a mental disorder. Is it the same in Japan? Yes. I think the American Psychiatric Association in 2013 designated hoarding as a、uh, disorder, and、uh, Japan followed suit. In Japanese, they call it tamekomi shou. Tamekomi is hoarding.、Mm. So, it's a pretty direct translation of the phenomenon. However, I'm not sure if the,、uh, the term itself、um, is widely recognized. People just say, you know, this person lives in a gomiyashiki in a hoarder house, or, you know, she lives in an obeya. I don't think people really get into the、uh, mental situation too much here yet.、Mm. In your piece on hoarding, which will come out this weekend in the Japan Times, you mentioned the American TV show Hoarders. 
Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Dorothy Brenninger. I'm a professional organizing expert, and I specialize in hoarding. We really do want to be clear about there is a crisis here. I mean, bottom line, we want to pull out everything from the house so we can examine whether the rats have gotten to it, whether the mice have gotten to it. So that show, which has been airing on A&E since 2009, has actually done quite a bit to explain the psyche of those with compulsive hoarding disorder to a broad audience. I used to watch it when I was back in Canada. So I kind of know what an American hoarder looks like. What does a Japanese hoarder look like? Well, first of all, I think it's important to note that uh, neither country really produces more hoarding than the other. The percentage of Americans with compulsive hoarding disorder is said to be around 2.6%, though some studies have said it could be as high as 6% of -hmm. the population. That's the same in Japan, too. I think it's generally considered that uh, around 2 to 6% of the population could have this uh, particular disorder. Mm-hmm. And the Environment Ministry is doing a, a nationwide survey. They sent out questionnaires to uh, all of the 1,700-plus municipalities in Japan, trying to get a figure of how many hoarder houses there are uh, in these regions to get a, a broader idea of uh, what the situation is. Mm-hmm. The results should be, uh, I think, published on their website uh, by the end of March, before the uh, fiscal year ends. Okay. Also, people living in Japan, you might uh, notice that it's not too common to sort of invite people over to your home for parties or just, you know, casually compared to uh, America, for example. Mm. So that could be uh, one potential reason behind the difficulty in assessing uh, how many uh, hoarder houses there are or how many hoarders there are. Okay, that was essentially the case of Hana Fujiwara, who you interviewed for your piece. She had a surprise visitor who had a pretty negative reaction to her living situation, right? That's correct. So Hana told me that up until high school, her room was quite clean. She didn't have that many possessions to begin with. But during college, she uh, began living on her own. And immediately, I think she began cluttering her home. And during university, she was dating this guy. But she never invited him over to her home because she knew that her place wasn't too clean. Mm -hmm. But one day he just called her up and told her that, you know, can I drop by? And Mm -hmm. she couldn't say no. So he came up, rang the doorbell, opened the door and then took a look inside and didn't say anything. He just went off and disappeared. And the next day she received a, a text message saying that, you know, he wants to break up. Ouch. Yeah, that's not good. Is that what pushed her to clean up her place eventually? Actually, no. It took several years for her to sort of uh, get her courage together to uh, embark on this uh, decluttering mission. The trigger was she lost her pension book, her Nankin Techo, in her apartment. It may sound like a mundane event, but she actually calculated the number of minutes and hours she spent looking for these things <laughs> and realized that she's losing uh, so much time, you know, precious time out of her life. And that's what really sort of triggered her to uh, go on this uh, cleaning campaign. And now she lives in an extremely clean apartment near Tokyo. Uh, She's almost obsessive in keeping it clean. She told me that uh, she doesn't even leave her uh, remote control uh, devices on her table. She puts them back into drawers after she uses them. So she's uh, extremely conscious of uh, keeping her place clean. So is Hana your typical Japanese hoarder? Well, obviously, there are many types of hoarders in Japan, as is elsewhere. Um, Hana may be part of one group of people who uh, shop compulsively as a form of stress release. She told me she owned uh, 27 coffee mugs at one point. Right. And this demographic may be uh, mostly comprised by women. What are some other types of hoarders in Japan? 
Well, people who maybe aren't prone to hoarding but fall into this category are those who work in high-stress jobs like doctors and hotel clerks. They're never home. They're working very hard, long hours, and they find that the clutter just piles up, and before they know it, it's just overrunning their environment. Mm -hmm. I even learned about a group called the Amazon Yashki. This is a term a uh, cleaning company designated to uh, homes with piles of unopened uh, Amazon uh, delivery boxes. The company Amazon. Yes. Right. <laughs> Referring to the e-commerce giant, yes. Um, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be an Amazon box, but uh, yeah. this is the term that, you know, they used. And I think this became uh, more of a phenomenon during the pandemic when people stayed home and uh, the number of deliveries soared. Right, right. But uh, hoarding is also becoming quite common among the elderly. Some may have compulsive uh, hoarding disorder or others may just be unable to clean their place up. Mm -hmm. um, I was told of a situation of a woman in her 70s or 80s living in uh, Shizuoka. She was living on the third floor of an apartment without an elevator. And what would happen with her is uh, she was getting old, um, her uh, mobility was uh, deteriorating, so she couldn't physically bring the garbage down to the garbage collection area. So what would happen is uh, these uh, bags of garbage would just keep on piling up in her home. She didn't have any help? Well, in her particular situation, she would go to daycare centers every day and the people would come to pick her up. However, the uh, the staff workers at this daycare center apparently uh, told this special cleaner that I talked to that cleaning her place up and taking her trash out wasn't part of their responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So I think similar cases are increasing in Japan, especially because there's been a surge of one-person households in recent years. One in five of those who are over the age of 65, they're living on their own. So you have many, many older people um, living alone. And obviously, if you get too old or, you know, you reach a certain age and your uh, functions start deteriorating, it's going to become more harder for you to uh, take the garbage out and do some heavy lifting, obviously. Hmm. There's also been a growing trend of unemployed children living with their parents till uh, well into adulthood. This is not directly related to compulsive hoarding, but it's sort of related. I spoke to uh, a Dr. Nakao, who's a psychiatrist for this piece. He's an expert on compulsive hoarding, and he called this the 80-50 uh, problem. 80-50? Yes, essentially 80-something parents living with unemployed 50-something children. Mm. And what happens is, you know, the, the parents, they try their best to do a lot for their kids, um, you know, cook meals, uh, give them some allowances, obviously take out the garbage. But, you know, what happens when the parents passes away? You have these uh, adults in their 50s. Often they're, they're called hikikomori, uh, the people who sort of recluses living in their homes. Right, in their shut rooms. Ins, yeah. Right. And everything was uh, taken care of by their parents, but they've lost their parents and their home could easily clutter up very fast. Is there anything else that might be specific to hoarding situations in Japan, like things that may not exist in other countries? Yes. People living here might uh, notice that uh, each region, each ward, each municipality, they have a pretty complicated system for disposing trash. Certain things don't get collected until you really ask for it or, you know, sign up for it. And I'm sure you've dealt with this yourself, Sean, right? You know what? Right now, I have a broken TV sitting in my apartment, and I think I have to call the manufacturer and ask them how to dispose of it. I really don't know. Right. So there's a lot of bureaucracy, and some hoarders just don't know how to deal with it. And also apartments here uh, in big cities especially tend to be really small, which might lead to a hoarding situation more quickly if you're piling things up. Mm. And if the hoarding situation is happening in an apartment, then the other neighbors might be affected. Well, not necessarily just apartments, but houses as well, mm. um, by an increase in orders of, you know, vermin and cockroaches and uh, sort of food left out for some time. Are there any laws against hoarding? Like when do the authorities have to step in? 
It's very difficult because if the garbage is confined to one apartment, then authorities can only give a warning. You know, there are private property laws in place. You know, you can't just go in and tell them to clean up. Um, however, uh, there have been ordinances set up in many wards in Tokyo, for example. And if the uh, the trash or uh, garbage or the stuff that's accumulated spills into other people's properties, or if the smell is just way too intense, or if there's just, you know, too many cockroaches or other sort of vermin being produced or attracted to the garbage, they could uh, technically go and ask them to clean up or even forcibly sort of try to contain the stuff inside their property. But the actual uh, cases of something like this happening is extremely rare. I talked to an official in Setagaya Ward and he told me there's only been one instance when they actually had to sort of forcibly clean a place up. Mm, so I guess the place that we went to earlier, that would have been why they had that blue mesh kind of net keeping all the garbage right from the street. Right. As I, as I mentioned to you when we were walking past the place, um, it used to be uh, 10 times worse several years back. And then at one point, I think people came in and pushed the stuff into the property so it doesn't spill over to the road. So that was a clip from the Netflix show Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Uh, Kondo has, along with the throngs of tidy soccer fans, given Japan quite the reputation for cleanliness. But when you can't call Marie Kondo, you call Toru Koremura and risk benefit. What exactly does risk benefit do? So Risk Benefit is a so-called special cleaning company. In Japanese, you call it Tokushu Seiso. Mm. Tokushu is special, Seiso is cleaning. They get called into situations where the regular elbow grease won't cut it. So homes with you know extreme amounts of clutter uh, or garbage or trash, homes where uh, the residents have uh, died alone perhaps, mm. and often body fluids could contaminate the area. Um, so you know regular cleaning won't really cut it. So they would go in with special devices, masks, and all those gears to solve the situation. Actually, I was looking into them and they were called to help with the cleaning of the Diamond Princess, uh, that cruise ship that docked in Tokyo Bay and was the focus of coronavirus fears at the start of the pandemic. So who calls risk benefit? Is it a relative or is it the authorities? Obviously, case by case, but from what I hear, oftentimes it's relatives of the hoarder mm. getting concerned and sort of convincing the hoarder themselves to uh, accept a cleaning crew to come in. Uh, if not the hoarders themselves, I've heard about a young lady in their 20s or 30s um, calling up Koremura's company and asking them to come over to sort of uh, give an estimate of how much it might cost to clean the place up. She ditched the uh, appointment at the end. Um, he says that often happens because the people are generally ashamed of showing their cluttered home to other people. And I think it takes a lot of courage for them to call them up. But uh, I think those are the most uh, common situations, relatives or themselves. Right. Actually, a big part of the TV show Hoarders involves aftercare with the people who have compulsive hoarding disorder. Does risk benefit take part in any kind of aftercare or are there any kind of like... Well, the job of these special cleaning companies, and there are numerous ones all over Japan, mm. their job is to, you know, go in and clean the place up. That's their primary goal. It's not part of their job to uh, conduct any psychological aftercare. Right. That's the job of psychiatrists. And I think, as mentioned before, compulsive hoarding disorder was designated a disorder back in 2013 mm. uh, in the United States. So it's a relatively new 
concept, I think, that a lot of doctors and uh, scientists are trying to tackle. It has uh, connections or links to other uh, disorders like obsessive compulsive disorder or ADHD um, or even depression. So if a psychiatrist can figure out, you know, what the underlying issue is, they could potentially prescribe medication or, you know, offer counseling. Um, it really depends individual to individual. Right. So getting back to um, Hana Fujiwara, who you interviewed for the story, she didn't use a service like risk benefit, right? Right. Well, her case was, I would call it a mild case of uh, hoarding. I might have shown you some of the photographs that uh, risk benefit provided for my story where, you know, homes are just filled to the ceiling with, uh, with bags of trash, bags of trash and uh, empty uh, plastic bottles. Plastic bottles seems to be a thing in Japan. Really? Okay. Yeah. A lot of homes... I would assume because uh, they need to be recycled mm -hmm. and uh, they would take the label off, get it ready to be recycled, but then they just don't have enough energy to go down and take it to the trash disposal huh. uh, area. I'm just assuming. Anyway, going back to Ahana Fujiwara, I'm sure her house was quite cluttered from what I hear. Um, she gave me some details of you know how it looked like before. She had the plastic sheet covered up all over her floor just because she knew that, you know, she's going to clutter the place up. She rarely uh, did house cleaning, um, magazines, clothes, boxes. Um, they were all over the place. However, she decided after she lost her pension uh, booklet that, you know, she's going to do this on her own. And what she did was uh, she said she tackled it like like a job, like, like work. So she created an Excel sheet and uh, divvied everything up by week. It was like a three-month plan, like a three-month mm -hmm. battle plan. So every week she would have like an aim, like, you know, a goal, how many uh, bags of trash that she wants to get, you know, disposed of. And she would update that weekly. And then she had her friends and family come in to help her out. And I think she finished the job in like a little bit more than two months. At the end, she hired a truck. They have these uh, special truck services where you can just stuff as much junk, regardless of the category of the junk, into a truck for a fee. And then they take it to like a waste disposal site. So she used that and she filled up a truck with a lot of stuff. And mm -hmm. that wasn't even enough, but uh, she got the job done eventually. She even kind of put this plan of attack on a blog or something for yes, other hoarders? Yes, that's correct. And she actually published a book about her own uh, ordeal or her own adventure late last year. And what she does now is she often posts photographs of her current home, which is extremely clean, you know, white walls. It's like a sort of a... It doesn't even look like a person's home because it's so clean now. <laughs> right. And she told me that, you know, she does this to sort of keep her motivation high. She shows these photographs on her Twitter feed or on her blog. And she tells herself that, you know, I want to keep it this way. Yeah. She doesn't want to go back to, you know, what it was before. Well, I'm glad to hear she's doing well. Alex, thanks for coming back to Deep Dive. Um, just make sure you tidy up before you leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my best. Thanks. Thank you again to Alex for coming on Deep Dive. Elsewhere in the news, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida wrapped up a five-nation tour of G7 countries to set up the groundwork for a group summit being held in Hiroshima in May. And this past Sunday marked three years since the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in Japan. The anniversary came as reports surfaced that the government is considering lifting its recommendations that people wear face masks indoors unless they're exhibiting symptoms of the virus. Anti-coronavirus measures were revised last May to encourage people to stop masking outdoors. However, at present, a vast majority of the population in the major cities continue to wear masks despite the change. Production for Deep Dive is by Dave Cortez. Our intern is Natalia Macohon, And our outgoing music is by Oscar Boyd. Our theme song is by 4L. Until next time, potsukare-sama. Potsukare-sama.